Welcome to the Girl Crush Podcast with me, Donna Pesci. I created this podcast to encourage, inspire, and empower women to dream big and live with purpose, passion, and joy. I'm fortunate enough to have interesting, authentic, and sometimes really funny conversations with amazing women who are just crushing it at life. You'll meet entrepreneurs, CEOs, healers, creators, artists, mystics, and moms. We'll talk about everything from the decisions that shape our lives to the moments that make us laugh out loud. We'll chat, we'll examine, we'll even gossip a little. I'm so glad you're here and I can't wait to hear what you think. I am really excited for today's episode because I have two guests and I think the best way to describe them is how I describe them, which is the goddesses of Chicago of the Chicago beauty industry, um, Alex Brown and Demi Paceras. Welcome to the Girl Crush podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having Thank us. You. We're excited. Thank you. <laughs> um, you guys have both built like just such amazing careers and I want to talk about how you did that and where it's going and all of that. Um, but I like to kind of start at the beginning. So um, Demi, I'm going to start with you. Uh, you've been in the business, I think, over 15 years, traveled all over the country, learning new techniques and honing your craft um, as a colorist. And then were chosen to be a part of the opening team at Spoken Wheel in Chicago as a master colorist. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about your background, how you actually got into the industry. I got in the industry, got into the industry. I mean, I grew up in Elmhurst. You knew me as a kid too. I did. But like, I always say that this very much chose me because I was a creative who really didn't understand what I wanted to do. And I was lucky enough to fall into a position where someone kind of guided me to do this to like, if you're going to put so much energy into something, put it into something you're going to enjoy. And at the time I was, you know, 17, I didn't know that I was going to love this. I didn't know that I was going to make this a career. But what a gift it was to have youth on my side that all the beginning stuff that like the stuff that's harder to do when you are in your late 20s, like people who get a late start in this, it can be hard. Mm -hmm. Um, But I had, you know, as a teenager, I didn't know any different. And because of that, I I started at Spoken Wheel when I was 25. And I had a lot of experience at that point and had traveled everywhere to get education. So it really fell in my lap and I'm so blessed that it happened the way it did. So do you, did you, do you feel like you had like a mentor that kind of, did you start in a salon and, and somebody kind of mentored you and told you that, or did you kind of figure that out? Um, I mean, I've had many mentors okay. throughout my career, but honestly it was like the Dean at my high school. Really? It was like this. Yeah. He was like, this doesn't seem like I was putting so much energy into not doing what I was supposed to that he was like, how can we take the same energy and just apply it somewhere that you're going to do well in? And he worked to get the program into my high school. So I graduated high school and went, like I was already done with beauty school. Oh, wow. I I still to this day, like check in with him and I'm like, I owe you a lot. So like, if I can talk to any of your delinquent students who were (laughs) me at one point, (laughs) please let me know how I can repay you. Because really I had no idea what he was giving me. Well, that, that truly is a gift because I feel like uh, there's a lot of teachers that would not go that route to take the extra step to say, okay, there's something here. We just need to redirect it and we need to channel it into something that's going to benefit you. And that really, that's amazing. And you, you got lucky to have like such a, such a great teacher. Cause I feel like that's not the norm. 
I don't know. Totally. Maybe it is. I shouldn't say that. Bad teachers are wonderful people. I don't mean it in a, in a bad way, but. No, but there is sometimes a chosen path. And like, especially like, you know, he's a high school dean. Like that wasn't, that was him excelling and doing more than he had to. Right. And I totally acknowledge that. Yeah. Awesome. Um, okay. So Alex, you have worked with like everybody, the Kardashians and and Jenners and Haley Bieber and and Chrissy Teigen. Um, and I know that you studied under the world-renowned Jen Atkins, who's amazing. Um, how did you get started in this industry? Did you think that this was something that you wanted to do? Like, was it just... Yeah, it's like the cliche story. I think a lot of hairstylists say, I really loved it from being a little girl. Like, I always was the friend of the my little friend group, even in elementary school, that I would like play with their hair and do makeup and stuff. Like it was always something that just naturally I loved. Um and then when I was in like seventh grade, my sister's best friend went to beauty school that year. And I remember kind of just like being obsessed with her in beauty school. So I would ask my mom if I could go and get my hair cut with her. And I ended up being like her guinea pig a lot for tests in beauty school. And I was in seventh grade, I would have like different colored hair and different haircuts. And I was just obsessed with her. Her name's Tracy. And to this day, she's like, you have to thank me for your whole career. <laughs> and I really do though, because just like, I just really looked up to her and I loved her whole journey with beauty school. I would have my birthday parties at the beauty school in middle school. Oh my gosh. I mean, I was obsessed with anything beauty. I wore high heels to school. I'm so different now. I was very into hair, makeup, beauty, like for so long. Um, so I just kind of kept going with it. I did have a, a moment where I wanted to go to a college. Like all my friends were going to be rooming and having like, you know, the whole dorm room experience yeah. and the whole college experience. And I did want that. And I would look into like, even different fashion schools, um, just anything else that I felt like I felt like would be more like and more of a challenge. I, I don't know. But then eventually it was like I saw how much they cost and I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. So I was like, I should just stick with hair and like make it what I want it to be. Um, I'm from a town of 100 people in Minnesota. So the salons that I saw there were very not what I wanted to work in. You know, it was very monta and like perms. And it's just like, if I can do this and move to a big city and make it what I want it to be, then I'll like it. Um, so I was like, I'm just going to do it and go for it. And my sister and I moved to Chicago and that's where I went to beauty school is here in Chicago and got a job at a salon after that. And it kind of all went from there. So how did you end up in LA working with Johnny Atkins? I worked at a salon here and for about six or seven years. And it was when Instagram was becoming bigger and I was on Instagram, but it was like pictures of my niece and nephews. It was very, mm -hmm. you know, it, it it wasn't what it is now. And a couple of girls from my salon said, have you heard of Jen Atkins? She does the Kardashians hair and she's having a class in Toronto, Canada, and we are going to go. Do you want to come with us? And I had been thinking, I had worked at that salon, like I said, for five or six years. And I had been thinking like, man, I was so young still. I was only 24 years old. And I'm like, I can't work here the rest of my life. Like it had always been a dream of mine to do celebrity hair. I mean, I would watch MTV and I was obsessed with the hills and Laguna Beach. And I'm like, I'm going to live that life. Like I always thought that. 
And so the second they said that, like, she's coming from L.A. and she does celebrities and I and we're going to her class. I naturally was like, I'm going to go to try to get a job with her. And like, that's just where I was at in my early 20s. I had nothing to lose, you know, and I was like, the class was super expensive. I had to buy my flight. I had to buy my hotel room. It was like, you know, a few thousand dollar weekend. And I was like, if I'm doing this, I'm going to just try to see if I can get a job with her, which sounds really crazy right now thinking about it. But I was dead serious, you know. So we go to the class and we're in the class and it's a hands-on class. So Jen would walk around and teach us on mannequins, which was super cool. And I remember her assistant at the time was there with her in the class. And in the hair world, you can't really tell people, coworkers, when you want to leave the salon because it's like, it's instant, like you're betraying us. Um, I, don't, I don't even know how to explain it. It's yeah, it's the older culture of like fear, basically of taking clients or so I was hiding the fact that I, on lunch break, was going to go up to the assistant and ask how you got this job and I want your job. So on lunch break, I did that. And I went up to her assistant and I said, hey, like, how did you get this job? This is so cool. I would love to, you know, move to L.A. And she was the nicest, coolest girl. She actually had just started with Jen like a few months before. So she was also new. And she said, you know, if you ever move to L.A., you have to live in L.A., first of all, because that's where Jen is based and you can't live in Chicago. And so she's like, if you move to L.A., like take down my number, take down my Instagram and let me know if you move there and reach out to me and I'll see if we need anyone at the time. And I kind of thought she probably says that to everyone. I really was under the impression that everyone asked her how to get her job. You know, I mean, I think it's the coolest job in the world to me. Um, and so sure enough, I left that class and I'm like, I'm moving to L.A. Like she made it feel like it was possible for me. Um, super down to earth. I like owe her so much um, now. But yeah, so I moved to L.A. five months after that class and didn't know anyone, didn't have a job, found an apartment. And it was like three days after I was finished unpacking, I went to FedEx and I was printing off resumes. I'm like, I'm just going to print off like 40 resumes and go to every salon in the area and just try to get a job. And no joke, as they were printing, I was scrolling my Instagram and that assistant wrote on one of my pictures and said, hey, Alex, did you ever move to LA? We need someone tomorrow. Wow. Yeah, dude. Oh, my God. crying. I left my resumes in the printer and I ran out crying and I called my sister and I truly just felt like something like this was going to happen though. I don't know. I really felt like I, I don't know. It was a very surreal feeling. Um, and yeah, I basically, uh, because I had been an assistant previously for other hairstylists, I was like, if I get the opportunity, like I can make this happen, you know? So just getting the opportunity, I felt like, wow, I got this, you know? So the next day I was told that we were starting at 11 a.m. And I'm at the top of Runyon Canyon when I was told that actually, can you be there in 10 minutes? (laughs) Khloe Kardashian canceled. So we're going to start earlier. So I ran home down Runyon Canyon, didn't shower anything. (laughs) And I, that was my first day with Jen. Yeah, I was uh, at the, at the salon. So that is unbelievable. I feel like just sometimes all the stars align to get us to where we're supposed to be. And that sounds like an example of what, what that was. Yes, definitely. It was crazy. So you were, you were there for, for a few years and then you decided to leave, which is a big deal. I feel like, so we have to talk about that. 
um, to come back to Chicago. Yeah, I had worked for her for three and a half years. And, you know, it was exactly what I thought it was going to be. There was a lot of travel. It was nonstop. Um, I do think I am a yes person and I don't know how to say no to a lot of things. So I think I completely burned myself out. Um, And I think I was just so young and totally didn't know a lot about myself. And I just completely would say yes to every and anything, which was great. But at the end of the day, I, it was something that I realized I didn't want for the rest of my life. Like the nonstop go, go, go. I think I just learned like what I valued more and it wasn't being a workaholic. Like I thought it was, you know, and I felt like in the LA like industry and world, I feel like when you're in it, you kind of tend to get sucked in it more because you are in demand more with clients too. And it's hard to say no to those types of clients because it's huge opportunities. And it sort of felt like I was just getting sucked into this hole of almost losing who I was and just doing things for other people. And I really realized like, if I felt like I had to get out, to be honest, um, more for like mental health, but also just to take a step back. And like, like I said, I learned a lot about like what I value and what I want the rest of my life to be like. So I ended up moving back to Chicago and I opened up a studio here in the West Loop that I took clients, take clients out of to this day still, but it's a, my own private studio. I don't work for anyone anymore, which is a really great feeling because I was an assistant for six years. Um, And that felt like I did a lot for other people and I was like ready to be on my own finally. So yeah, so I now have another salon that I open and I have a dogs and a baby I now. Know, I haven't I know. Yet. That's so amazing. And a husband. And a husband. <laughs> yeah, <wait about> don't <laughs> forget about him. <laughs> um, I feel like that's such a good lesson for people that are listening to because sometimes, um, well, I think more often than not, you get into a situation in your career where maybe you feel like I, I ha- I'm i lucky, you know, I like I have this great job and it's, you know, even though it's killing me and I don't have a quality of life and, you know, and in, in doing this podcast and, you know, even talking to other women, I feel like we can all kind of point to a time in our lives when we felt like that. And like we wanted to kind of make a change or do something. And sometimes we don't, you know, because we want to be nice and we want to be good. And we want to like, you know, we want to like, we feel lucky to have what we have. And so I think it's a really great lesson because you were young and you decided that it wasn't the best thing for you and you made a change. So I just wanted to call attention to that because I think that that is something that people struggle with. Um, you know, totally right. To kind of make that change. So how did you, how did you guys meet? We met here. <laughs> we met here. Shout out to Mel Holmes. Um, we had a mutual friend. We're at You're Soho at Soho House. House. Right. I uh, thank you. I should say that. You're at Soho House. Yeah. But yeah. We had a mutual friend, um, Mel Holmes, who we are now even closer with. She's having a baby. It's been like such a nice, like enmeshed relationship between all of us to be in these phases of our life at the same time. But Mel had asked us, she was doing something here uh, that was like for the members that was like a Q&A with beauty experts. So she pulled a panel of like four of us. It was hair, makeup, color, cut. And yeah, yeah, everyone. It was cool, but they were going to do it in the music room, which it would have like been less than 100 people. 
And she's like, oh, we had a really overwhelming response for Alex. Let's face it. (laughs) They're like, oh, we're going to talk to Alex. And um, they were like, we had such an overwhelming response. We're going to move it to the main floor. I didn't know that. Cool. And, but like, I was scared to death. Same. (laughs) And there's, the music room's like private. It's like a door is closed. No one can see. This is like out in the open for anyone. And they had like these five little velvet stools with microphones. It was like, this is not what I thought this was going to be. It was very legit. It was. And it was amazing. But um, I think that was the first time I had known who she was. And I was so excited to like meet her under these circumstances. Mm -hmm. And I think both of us, the common denominator of kind of mutual understanding right away from that was we both worked in a team setting quickly, like. Both of us really assisted for a long time. We aren't like above a task with our peers. Um, as much as I want to have an like an incredible end result, I still want to help the person next to me. And I could feel that from her mm-hmm. through all the Q&A that we were doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, totally. I can, yeah, I love that about both of you, actually. Well, it felt super natural um, just because like coming from Jen's team, it was such a team effort, like, on another scale of like publicists, like I was on a team with so many people. So like, that's exactly how Spoken Wheel or Demi works. And she'll tell you more about like their philosophy and everything. But it's very like team based and very just collaboration. I'm only, I only cut hair and do extensions. I don't do color. So it's like, I wanted to meet colorists when I moved back from LA to send my clients to and like, we could collaborate and make gorgeous hair. But yeah, so well, let's get into that then, because Demi, tell me a little bit about the the philosophy there of of spoken wheel, because I know it's a little different than what what the norm is. Mm-hmm. I came from a salon very similar to how you started at your first salon. We both worked for kind of like big box salons where mm-hmm. there's so many people on staff. Everyone's trying to get clients. Um, you have to sell retail. You have to sell shampoo to be successful, and it's at a young age that you quickly realize, like, I can't do this forever. Mm -hmm. I have nowhere to go. Like, it's not motivating. What I did learn there was how to be quick, Mm -hmm. how to cater to guests being like, I learned a lot, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't an end goal. Um, And coming to Spoken Wheel, you know, I remember learning we didn't have managers and we didn't have a front desk staff. Like we were all going to do everything. And I was like, that's never going to work. And then seeing it move, like seeing it happen is really incredible that like everyone participates. We say we are a flat organization, but um, John Raymond and Christine Thompson founded the salon and they both do a lot of work backstage at Fashion Week and they'd been doing it for a really long time. Christine's a colorist, John's a stylist. And in that, they decided like, we don't want people to work at those salons where they're not motivated, you know, a few years in. Mm-hmm. We want to create something different for the salon world and not just for like our team, but hopefully to break down the walls of of every salon, mm-hmm. right? We want to We want to put pressure for everyone to have to be better. And in that, it's allowed me to put my guard down around that competition because I know that we, like, my client can't afford to see me anymore. I move my price up. I I love that they're still seeing me, but with the person I trained. And that is a genuine feeling. Um, I'm not the best fit, but I'm going to find you someone who is. Mm-hmm. And at Fashion Week and working backstage or on clients at that level, everything is a team effort. And so that was how the whole idea got founded. Mm-hmm. Well, I love that. And it kind of brings me into what something that I wanted to talk to both of you about, which is the the feeling and the the community that Chicago feels in in this industry, in your industry. It feels more community 
um, than it is competition in the hair industry. And I say that being from Chicago, seeing, you know, a, a lot of different people there, there's a lot of different, a lot of talent. And I, I really feel like you two have been kind of instrumental in that from what I, I see. And it, it seems like you've kind of paved a road for that to be okay. And, and to, I mean, I see both of you promoting other people that do what you do. And to mm. you, that feels normal. I'm a lot older than you guys and I'm not in the, in the, in the beauty industry, but things weren't like that when I was, you know, in my first few jobs. And mm -hmm. I think that's maybe why it really stands out to me the way that it does, but I, I love it and it feels really important to me. And, you know, I, I want to know what you guys think about that. Like, was there, was that a plan? Was that like something that you kind of set out to do or did it just, you know, ha happen naturally? I, I just think when you really love what you do and you feel positive and like you want to bring a complete, positive, happy experience to your client, it's not about like, I have to keep this client to myself. It's like, okay, if I'm not great at Bob's, I'm going to send them to so-and-so who's great with Bob's and they're going to give this client. It's like, it's more about like making people happy because you like what you do. It's not this like, closed in kind of selfish feeling at the end of the day clients off of the street are going to choose where they go get their hair done we cannot keep them we can't choose that they're staying with us forever it's like they have their own thoughts they can, you know and so if you look at it that way it honestly just makes sense it's just a not fearful way i think that people that are competitive are typically insecure or, you know, full of fear about like losing their business, or it's usually comes from something within that they're not happy about. So I just feel like naturally when you like what you do and like you have good intentions, it just isn't competitive. It's almost, it's just like an unknown confidence almost that we don't even realize we have, but it's like, I don't even know how to explain it. It's, I think the first time I realized the impact of it, because I agree, like if my client doesn't believe I'm best suited, I really just want them to be happy. Or if I, it's not what I specialize in, I'm going to find them the best fit. And I do think that there are people that are really killing it in certain ways in Chicago. And I think that we all kind of make a nod to that. Like they are the best. They should have that. They, the client should see them. But there's two girls in Chicago um, who, Rosemary and Christina, mm -hmm. who own RMCM. And they have an incredible reputation as well. And it hit me what had happened when I had gotten to know Alex. I think we had known each other like a year or two at that point. They had their grand opening and I had shown up. You came, Sabrina, Gia, and like sitting around the table. We all know each other from social media, but we were having this like just really yummy moment where there wasn't anything other than joy for these girls. Mm -hmm. We were like talking about what's working. All of us are doing it differently. Some freelance. I work for a salon. Alex is independent. Like, mm -hmm. and it, everyone was supporting each other. And I did leave that day. And I was like, even when, I mean, obviously Alex is like very humble, but when she walked in, I know what it meant to the girls. Like I saw everyone, they're like, damn, she showed up. That's really mm -hmm. cool. And so that is the stuff that like, you wish you could kind of bottle up and tell people like, this is why it's better mm -hmm. to support each other. Yeah, it's more fun too. Like when I worked at a salon, I remember when I, when I moved back from LA, I'm like, I don't know anyone in the city. I only know people from that salon. I'm like, there have to be other amazing colorists, stylists. Like 
I feel like my whole world opened up when I moved back from LA. It was actually unbelievable. Like the amount of people that I've met, it's like we all follow each other on Instagram, but we never meet in person because we all work at different locations or we're freelance or it's so much better when you just can like know people from all areas of the city and like some people specialize, you know, in more like punk hair. Some people are more in luxurious blowouts. I don't know. It's just like it broadens everything and it makes it more fun and inspiring. And it's been like such a great thing, honestly. It's refreshing. I'm, it really is because it it was not like this. And I think it I think social media has a lot of bad, a bad rap, but it really has brought a lot of people together, too. To give like a sense of reference for where our appreciation comes from, just, as, just like an, an industry standard. I had to hide that I was leaving. Like you didn't want to tell your team that you wanted to work for Jen if I wanted to finish out my two weeks to make the pay I needed to do to transition to Spoken Wheel. Mm-hmm. So I could not tell anyone unless I was ready for it to be my last day. And they like they were never going to tell my clients where I went because they would not accept that level of like it's so threatening right. that you could take them. Right. Some salons, you're required to sign a non-compete. Where, where I'm at, if I leave, my clients will have an email that will let them know my personal phone number, where I went, and like that Spoken Mill will always be there for them, but like they want the client to follow me. Nine times out of 10, it's so attractive that they still want to go in for a blow dry. They still want to go see the cut. Yes. You'll only look at that salon so positively, you know, mm-hmm. like. That's yeah, unbelievable. That's, that's I've never heard that. of that. I like that. I mean, that's unbelievable. I think in any industry, <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, in any industry, like where, what industry, what job are you going to leave where somebody's going to tell your clients where, you know, where you've gone? Like, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. That, that's just so crazy. So it, yes, I think it is definitely a fear based, you know, you're, you're worried. It's like a scarcity thing, but in reality, there's enough business for everyone. There's enough business to go around. Um, and you know, I, I love that you guys just feel like it just came kind of naturally to you. And that's just how, you know, you believe and, and, and how you work. Um, and it really says something I think about the both of you, but has there ever been like, not everybody's, not everybody's wonderful and nice. Has there ever been like an issue? Have you ever had, or has it ever backfired where you're, you know, you're trying to kind of be nicer and somebody is taking advantage of that in some way? God, honestly, not. The only like really overt one that I, I experienced, which isn't even like, it's a dated thing. And this person was coming from a place of being really protective was we like one of our philosophies is that we don't discount things at the salon, but we gift the first service for free. And when we first opened that we did it for anyone. And then we had like PR doing it for modeling agencies and things like that. And there was a stylist at a salon downtown who called our salon and was like, I want to talk to the manager and was like, my clients who are models, which you guys models pay nothing to get their hair done. They get discounts on being hotter. It's just yeah. an unfair world we live in. <laughs> But this person was like so mad that his clients, he was making no money off of, but they were hit. He was so angry about it that he called and like yelled at someone on the phone at our salon and said like, you guys are making a bad reputation for yourselves. Like, and then, and there's a third party doing all that. These girls are just getting an offer for free hair color. It's their choice if they take it. But that was kind of my first introduction. Like, oh, are we like ruffling feathers by being nice to people? (laughs) No, totally. Yeah, I've definitely had some experiences where it's like that old school mentality. Um, 
and me trying to be nice, like shouting out certain people on Instagram who have helped me along my way and like truly coming from a good place of like just trying to promote them. And, you know, and it actually backfired and they called and was like, never mention our name again. We don't want to be mentioned ever again. And no problem. I mean, (laughs) that that's only going to close everything. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't know. It's so obvious to me. And maybe that is because I moved to LA and I saw so many freelance artists constantly on set together. And like, I'm sure there's competition, of course, but I really found it to be so much more. It was so much like more positive than I expected it to be, especially being LA. But I think it is because so many stylists and colorists are freelance. Yeah. And like, it's kind of like we're all for one, like we're all, I don't know, it's all a team still. Mm-hmm. Because when you're freelance too, I mean, Jen would talk about the freelance blues. It's like one day you don't think you have any jobs booked. And then three days later, you're too booked. And like, you kind of go back and forth. So it's like, you're kind of always like, I don't know, never too like cocky with anything, because, you know? So, quick. Yeah, you get humbled quick being freelance just because you, one day, I mean, you could have, no, you know, you're all yourself. So I don't know. I thought, so do you feel like it is not just, like, I feel like it's a Chicago thing because, you know, that's, that's what I know. Um, But do you, you think it's, you, you felt kind of the same way in LA? I love that you say that, Donna, because I felt like it was the least collaborative here when I was back. Because I was going to say earlier, I was like, maybe it's because we are like Midwest born and raised that we're just like, yes, people, but. I don't know. I just feel like I I have felt like that there are so many of those kind of bigger salons that were popular in the early 2000s. And in LA, they have that, but it's a lot more like boutique kind of small salon. I don't know. I just felt like here was more competitive when I moved back than anywhere. Wow. I mean, That's you came back to with something that was like such a force, right? You yeah. had just done something that was like, in Chicago, those opportunities, even if you have them, they're just never going to be the saturated market that mm-hmm. LA is. Mm-hmm. So you coming back is so threatening because mm-hmm. they're like, oh, she's got something that I can't even mm-hmm. compete with. Mm-hmm. The experience she just had is something I just won't even be able to touch. Yeah. Which is scary for people because they know the weight that it holds. Totally. But you know what? I didn't even know that weight. Mm-hmm. Like, I truly didn't. I remember coming back and I took, I remember I'm like, I am taking the summer off. Like, I need a breather. And I remember taking my first house call and I don't even remember the client. I remember showing up to a high rise and I remember like almost shell shock feeling of like back to normalcy. Mm-hmm. And it's like she looked at me like I was the biggest celebrity she's ever met. Really? And it's like, yeah. And it was just like, I didn't even realize that. So like yeah. coming back, I'm like, okay, let's all be friends. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It, it's so different when you're in it. But when Alex is and even like, if I have my assistants are like, when she first started coming in and they didn't have a rapport with her and I was doing her hair, they were like so nervous. I was like, you guys, she's so nice. And like, she has experience that you should, you should lean into. Right. Like that's her life. Like, it's okay to ask her about what she did. Like she know she knows what she's putting out there, right? So it's okay to idolize her, but you don't have to be like uncomfortable around her. That's what I was gonna say. That's where I was going with that though. Was like just doing a celebrity. I don't know. Put you so big for other people. So like stylists that don't have that opportunity. I don't know. I just feel like yeah, it feels so well. Absolutely, but you also could have gone another way with that. Like you also could have come back to Chicago and been like. 
I've done this. I've done that. I'm not, you know, and you, you didn't, you, you didn't go that route. You decided to be a kind person and support other women in the industry or, or men in the industry too. You know, I don't know, but um, you didn't have to be that person. You know what I mean? I have to give that credit to Jen though, because she is honestly such a good person to have as a mentor and look up to. She is only about collaboration and the amount of people she has brought up with her is unbelievable. Like I have goosebumps thinking about it because nobody even sees the amount of people that she has really like impacted their lives. And it's, yeah, learning from her was a lot of why I have the mentality that I have though. And it's like, it's only spreading, you know? So it's like, why not be that to other people who then can be that to other people? And that's how our industry changes. I love that. And I think, you know, with any industry, you learn so much from the people that are, that I guess the people that you work with and the people that are above you and, you know, whether they're training you or they're, they're you know, your mentors or whatever. And and I think in, in good and bad, you know, in my industry, I definitely worked for people who I learned that's not who I want to be ever. Like I do yes. not ever want to treat people the way that that person treats people. And so, you know, I kind of, I, I took that with me as well. And then, you know, having other bosses that are kind and, and want you to, you know, just like learn everything and, and want you to succeed on any level, you know, then you kind of take that with you as well. But it sounds like you, you guys both had like amazing mentors in your career. Mm -hmm. I'd even been able, like, I mean, in my last salon, if there was like a developed relationship with a stylist outside of what, what we were, it would have been like so threatening, right? Even though she's doing something incredible by cross-referring and people ask me all the time, like, would you ever work with Alex? And I'm like, we've got a really beautiful thing. <laughs> and like, it's not about that. It's about just you getting the best service and us kind of in our day to day. And but, then we hang out all night. Yeah, like we get to hang out too. But I've always found it very attractive, like talking to my owners, like John and Christine. And like some of their first responses have always been like, what can we do for her? Mm. Like, we really love that she's doing that. And like, she's doing what we want to bring to the industry. So like, can we offer her education? Is she, are we doing enough for her? Um, yeah, and even that thought, it's like, I didn't even realize that I'm actually doing great for their salon. But like, I'm solely thinking about the client and I want them to have like a positive experience in the salon where everyone's helping them. When I get my hair done at Spoken Wheel, it's like another stylist or colorist is shampooing me and checking me out at the desk. I've never had that in my entire life. It is amazing. And it feels super genuine. And I just, I have never seen that in a salon. And I just feel so strong about it that I want other people to experience that. You know, oh, I agree. I I have the same feeling. I mean, it's a it's a great kind of energy in the in the salon. It it feels very collaborative. In even if you're only you know one person is only working on you, it just if you can feel like the collaboration in the vibe there. You know, which I think is is different. You know, than than a lot of a lot of salons. So I know what you're saying about that. It's nice to be able to like share that positive feeling too. Like I was so excited to be able to host Alex and do her hair for the first time. If I was working in my old salon, I would have to be like, Ooh, I don't want them to think I'm going to go work with her. Really? So I wouldn't have even been able to like announce that I was excited to have mm -hmm. her in because it would have ruffled like all this issue yeah. mm -hmm. where sharing that with my team, it was not only a celebration 
that we got to meet her and work with her. But then it was like, even with John, like being able to talk to John and Christine about it, they were like, this is exciting. That's cool. Like, Mm -hmm. what's her story? Where did she come from? We love that she assisted Jen. Like, it's such a celebration on all levels. Mm -hmm. And that just is not what it would have been. At all. And it still isn't a lot, you know? And that's what I was going to say, too, is so hard with with a lot of commission salons. It's like, so I, when I came, came back, I opened a small studio that I just wanted to work out of, take my clients. I have an assistant that I mentor and she'll become a stylist. And that's just what I wanted. And I noticed that other stylists were like, I want that, you know, and there's salon lofts and those types of places where you have your smaller cubicle that you work out of by yourself. And I saw that, but I ended up opening another salon where it's like, I'll provide like the aesthetic and the vibe of a salon, but you can just rent your chair from me and have access to the salon. And it basically just... That you're offering that opportunity to other people. Like, yes, exactly. Even when she had shared with us that she was doing space, we were fresh off 2020. Mm-hmm. Like this was like a secret up during the lockdown. Mm-hmm. Space was, correct? Yeah, I closed the day that we <laughs> locked out. I'm like, oh my God. But... I remember um, we were about to open, like we had gotten the clear. We were a couple of days out and her and I share a guest who had gone through this like horrific, someone was like sending her color and her hair got destroyed. And Alex was like, come to my salon. You can use our shampoo bowl and like do a color correction there mm-hmm. because I was like booked out for months when we were going back. Mm-hmm. And then she left and she's like, you guys, I have a secret to tell you. I'm opening up about space. <laughs> and all I kept thinking, like, as soon as she said, I'm like, this bitch is so smart. <laughs> No, it's because also that's where I was going with it. it was you guys, I have mom brain right now. I honestly don't remember anything I'm talking about. No, but with commission salons, it gets competitive because mm-hmm. the owner needs to pay rent. Yeah. And, you know, it's like I needed to be at my old salon at 10 a.m. Even if my first client was at 1 p.m. Because if someone walked in, mm-hmm. that was money for them, yeah. you know, and it gets scary because it's just so relying on the stylist to make their friend, right. you know? And so with space, I really wanted it to be like, I don't know, just more open and I don't have to manage anyone. They are their freelance stylists. They just, I just provide the chair for them and, you know, the, the salon. So that's a different business model too. So you're, that's a completely different business model than normal, a normal salon. Well, I think that's where the <laughs> right. industry is going. Like now people are doing that, you know, and it's like so many stylists want to be freelance. We want to have our own hours. We want to be able to balance our personal life with work and we can do that on our own, you know, especially the freelance life is not for everyone. Some people can't manage their own business, but for those that can, it's just so, I don't know. It's just so nice. Like having your own business, running your own ship and just like being successful on your own. And it just, I think then allows you to not feel competition. It's just like, well, I'm on my own. She's on her own. You know, it's like, we kind of want to help each other. Right. I feel like with space, you've become such a launch pad for so many successful people too. And like, not only are people getting the opportunity to work under Alex's name, which is huge, but like they're getting to learn. Like I went to one of Sabrina's classes. Um, There's another colorist here in Chicago. And I'm so curious, like from Instagram, I'm like, she's killing it. Like, I want to see her work up close and personal. Mm -hmm. And it was so cool to be in that. And all she did was get say like, guys, I worked under Alex and it was such a tool. It was such a tool for me to have her as a mentor. And I feel like that's happening over and over again. Yeah. I feel like with space, it's called space by Alex Brown. That's why we call it space. Um, 
it's more of like a stepping stone in a way for people coming from commission salons who have built this huge clientele for the last 10, 15 years. And it's like they want the freedom now and they may want to open their own salon someday, but they're scared to take the leap. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I'm going to go work here, figure out my business. And then I've had three stylists open their own salons. And it's like so great to see because Mm -hmm. it's like more women doing more and like just making things happen, you know? So it's just like a safe place for them to like figure their shit out after being in the same environment for 15 years. And then like growing from that and like blossoming into what they want for their life. Yeah. You know, it's amazing. So it it has been really cool to see. Yeah. And I didn't even know it'd be that starting off, you know? So it's been really great. Well, you're open to that. And so, you know, that's what's happening. And, and I love that. And I, I think, I don't know if it's like a generational thing, but I love it. I love that it's, you know, there's just this like support for, other women and the fact that they're in the same industry as you. I just think that's amazing. So um, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about knowing your worth, because I think that everything that we've talked about so far, you know, you're, you're actually building up other people's careers and you're in, you know, encouraging other people to, you know, to get into the business and you're helping, but you guys have built amazing careers for yourselves And, you know, you're, you're talented, you've been in the industry a long time and you have the right to, you've earned a right to kind of charge more and, you know, charge accordingly, I think. And I think that I want to talk about that because I think that that's something that people struggle with as well when they are in a service industry and a service business, because again, we want to be nice we want to be, you know, we don't want to say no. And, you know, and I think people sometimes struggle with that. So I wanted to ask you both about that a little bit, you know, to really make sure that they know what they're worth. Um, it's very hard. It's it's complicated too, because I think a lot of people that do hair aren't necessarily the most business savvy also. So when it's... We went to beauty school. We went to beauty school. Let's remember I was a delinquent when I started. But... <laughs> no, you're worth it. But, but really like, you know, I actually just had a conversation with Christine about this because I've been fixing a lot of hair color that I'm like, oh, like, where did you go? And like, you know, people are telling me they paid like double what I'm charging, but they don't know they're, they're still finding their groove. So a big part of it is like knowing your worth and also not trying to cash in on one client, mm-hmm. um, which I think there's like very little middle ground on that in mm-hmm. our industry. People are like undercharging or like way overcharging to mm-hmm. pay their bills. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the sweet spot for me is that I know what I'm bringing to the table in terms of my education. And while we don't like get college degrees, we are certified after X amount of hours. And it's our job to stay relevant by continuing our education, whether that's teaching a class or staying in class. But you also have to have the clientele to support that supply and demand. So you can't just be raising your price all the time. Mm -hmm. I know it's time to raise my price when I'm so booked out. I cannot get another client mm-hmm, in. Mm-hmm. So part of the strategy is that I want to spend more time with people. And I'm, I know I'm going to lose like 20% of them. And I'm going to replace that. So I'm going to be working smarter, not harder, and mm-hmm. giving people even better results. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's been not only that I've been coached to believe that, and I've been, made, I've been helped to understand when the right time is. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like when we first started, we work in custom color sessions, which is flat rate hair color. 
And I remember them telling me what my price was going to be, which was like, I think at the time, 300 for anything, like a big service. And I was so nervous about that. Mm -hmm. And then I look back and my sister was like, I, we got in a fight. So she went somewhere else. (laughs) Um, (laughs) She's like, Demi, I paid 300 for a partial and I left wet. Right. So then I'm thinking (laughs) it's important to also understand what everyone's paying and what they're charging. Totally. Yeah. I feel like a lot of hairstylists, I don't know what it is. Actually, I know what part of it is, is we have a personal relationship or what we feel is a personal relationship with everyone that sits in our chair. And it's like, I am the type of person where I'm like, it's your birthday. Yeah. Free blow up. <laughs> like, I get excited. It's like, all I'm too like, And my sister, she works with me a lot. She's like, stop giving some stuff out. But now don't everybody personal... go and book with Alex on yeah. her birthday. Stop <laughs> I set a boundary, okay? Um, no, so it's like you have this personal connection with them and you want I don't know. I just want I them could not to love it and I want them. It's an exciting thing. And to me, doing hair is like doing my doing hair in a bedroom, like curling my friend's hair, you know? So to me, I don't feel personally like I would ever spend $250 on a haircut. I truly feel that way about me. So it's hard for, <laughs> pe- for me to, to charge that, you know? So I have to remember though, like, the 15 years of hard work that I put into what I do, I am fast, I'm efficient. And like, you have to almost, I don't know, get cocky with yourself a little bit about like how you are, in what ways you are better than others and why you can charge what you charge. If you have a wait list, that is the number one reason to raise your prices. Like that is always a thing where it's like, if I have a long wait list, it's like, all right, I'm charging, you know, too little. There's that's how people get burnt out though. It's like, totally. I, my, my very like sobering moment, my come to Jesus was for, like before I had my baby. And I don't know if you felt that way. Also, I was like, I cannot be booked out for three months. If he gets sick, I will have nowhere to move people. Mm-hmm. Like it's very obvious. This is my price. This is my worth. And this is my time. Mm-hmm. And when I come back, my stakes are higher with my time. Mm-hmm. Like I can't just afford to be losing time with him at home even. Mm-hmm. So um, it's a boundary thing as well. But totally. what's interesting is like people that I thought like you feel so close to when I raised their price, we weren't that close anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Where are you at? <laughs> yeah. We weren't as close as I thought we were. <laughs> no, yeah. So, and not in a bad way, but here I am thinking that we're going to have to like make meat in the middle. And they were like, oh, I got you. And some of them were like, I got you. I'm happy to pay your price. Yeah. One girl even told me, she goes, I felt bad every time I checked out because I knew that you were undercharging me. Mm. And so then you don't even realize the client is having that experience. Like, so yeah, being like really straightforward, I think it's helped even, and Donna, maybe you can speak to that. Like, it's just easier for the guests to know what the rules that they're playing are. Like, totally. And just being firm and putting boundaries in play. I don't know. It's like, you just have to set the rules. You know, it's your business. It's your career. It's your lifestyle. I don't know. I just feel like, well, I think the fact that you, how you guys are answering this question and the fact that it it was a struggle for you and that we're like, we're still struggling. But but that's, but that's the answer. It is a struggle. And, and, and I think it's, it's good that you're answering like that because there, you know, there, it's just relatable. There's so many people in the beauty industry or and a lot of creative fields, most creative fields, I feel like. And, you know, going back to 
I feel like really super creative people sometimes aren't the best on the business side because they just want to be creative and they want to do what they're good at and they want to share their gift basically. And that is, you know, what you guys are saying. I mean, you, you want to make your clients happy and you want to give them the best experience. And so, you know, that's why I brought it up because I know that people have struggled with it, but you have to do it. And that the, that's a good tip to know that if you are booked solid and, you know, you're booked for months at a time. Okay. Yeah. That's a good, good time. It is. And I feel like a lot of people, and maybe that's why we struggle too, is like beauty industry professionals or trade careers in general, I don't feel like are taken that seriously mm-hmm. when in reality we can be making more than a doctor. Yeah. And it's like, even for someone that no shows an appointment, stylists are so scared to charge them, even though we have set a cancellation policy in play. It's like, well, they were running, you know, they're stuck in traffic. And like the more seriously that you take yourself and your career, other people will look at you that way, you know? So it's like, you really, honestly, even though it's hard to not give up, to give up free service, it's just, you have to like really set rules. There's a balance in that though. Cause I agree with you. Like People are so good to us and they are so loyal. And now that there isn't as much flexibility in pricing and we are so booked. And the thing about raising your price, there's an acceptance that you're going to lose clients. You need to lose clients. That's Mm -hmm, the point, mm -hmm. right? But that ego part is always fighting you like, Mm -hmm. oh, what if I, it's fine. They want to see you, they'll come back. Mm -hmm. Well, that was a good, um, a really good comment because if you take yourself seriously, other people, that's, that's how serious other people will take you. And I think that that, that spills into other industries as well you know, too, because, um, you, you have to kind of have that confidence. And even if you know that you're good at what you do and you care about your clients and, you know, all of those things still hard, it's still hard. It's still, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm sure in in your industry is hard to say like, well, they might not come back and maybe there's a client that like you really like, and, and then they don't come back. And it's, I'm sure that that's. It's in terms of gifting clients, but also being firm around your pricing, there becomes an exponentially more genuine quality to your relationship with them when money is removed off the table. Yes. Very true. So like, I don't want people to think I need the money and it goes back to protection around losing the client and the com- competition. If it is someone's birthday and they have been really good to me, I actually do really want to gift you that because I don't want your money. Yeah. Like, I just want you to know I'm very grateful that you treat me the way you do. And that is it, it doesn't always need to be a transaction, mm-hmm. but it has to be done thoughtfully and at the right moment mm-hmm. in time. And I don't like, you know, I had a client who she lost her husband around Christmas it was and she called and she was like, hey, like, what's the price going to be? I said, just tell her whatever it was last time. And then when she came in, it was all taken care of. And she was like, you didn't have to do that. I was like, you can pay me for the rest of your life. But like today, this is just about you and like you feeling good. And that's how you have to treat people because it's not about just making money. Mm-hmm. You want to take care of them. That's why we are in the service industry is like we do like taking care of people. Right. I yeah. love that. You guys are you guys are the best. I love it. Um, okay. So I want to ask, I want to switch gears again. You guys are both somewhat fairly, Alex, you're a very new mother. And yay, weird. Oh my God, it's so crazy. She's gorgeous, by the way. If I did not, I know I said congratulations on like Instagram and and all of that, but she's absolutely gorgeous. So congratulations. 
Um, Thank you. And we know that Otis is my boyfriend, um, Jemmy's son. Um, <laughs> my boyfriend. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, we can fight about that later because I'm obsessed okay. with him. Um, and so fairly new. Um, how I almost hate asking this question because you never ask men like when they have a baby, how has this changed your career? But let's face it. It doesn't it, change, right? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, but I have to ask because it's true, and it does. And I'm a mom, and you know, it's been a long time since it changed my career, but um, but it does. And so I was just wondering if and if and how it has changed um, maybe your outlook or anything about your career. I mean, I'm just getting back into the swing of things. I came off of maternity leave two weeks ago. So this is a prime time to ask me this question <laughs> because I am figuring it out still. I feel like I'm trying to adjust my time and my days that I work and trying to get that like work-life balance that I thought I had figured out before a kid more figured out. Time feels so valuable to me now. And I'm lucky enough to have worked hard enough to be at the point where I can set my own hours, even if it's not before the workday or after the workday and where clients will just come to me whenever I have availability. And that's probably proving itself to be one of the best things that I've worked this hard for um, is to like be able to have time now with my husband and Gigi, my daughter. Like, I feel like it's just a juggle right now of figuring out my hours and just really making it work with both, yeah. you know, so I'm in that, but Demi, you have, you know, a one and a half year old. So you've had more time, a little figure more time. it out, but I, I couldn't agree more. Like it, it really highlights like my time mm -hmm. out of the salon and my time in the salon. They both have to have like such an importance. Even today, us choosing to like film this here with you was a, it was an intentional thing. We mm -hmm. wanted to not be at home. We wanted to be in this mindset with you and like fully present. I think that the thing that I've learned, especially working on a lot of women and so, uh, some of which who are mothers, there's been extreme highs and extreme lows with going back and understanding that. Because I think part of what I know, there's women I never understood until I had a child that I'd worked on for years yes. that I feel closer to than I, I never thought I'd have anything in common with them. And I have a different respect for women that maybe I didn't necessarily like before, or like didn't totally vibe with them. I'm like, damn, you're a really good mom. You've got this figured out. And then we are kind of just as a generation and like, I don't know if you feel this society as well. There's a lot of people choosing not to have children. Um, and unfortunately, going back to work as a working mom, some of me being a good mom feels like how invisible I can make that in my career. Because some people don't want to hear about your kid. They don't mm -hmm. care about that part of your life and they totally don't have to. But I do feel like, it's changed how honest I can be about my personal life. Mm -hmm. um, so while it's brought me so much closer to so many people, and I feel like I'm so embraced by so many women, mm -hmm. I definitely feel like there's some people that I'm like, we have to be careful how much I'm talking about my son because this isn't something they want to hear about. That doesn't make me a that like a good mom. Like I think some people think children just as long as they're not hurt or dealt with, then it's yeah. that they're great. You're a good mom, and there are a lot of people like that. Mm -hmm. Which I, I think back to me before I had a child and I think about like maybe things I had said or like things I had done mm -hmm. that even to my own friends. And I told my one girlfriend, I was like, all I ever did was tell you, just bring your kids with. It'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, in hindsight, she needed to be alone. Yeah. yeah. 
I'm just reviewing like all who I was and who I'm becoming. And like, I just am trying to filter that because we are so close to our clients that um, sometimes it's, you don't know how much to give of yourself in that way. Totally. That's such an interesting um, perspective. And I, I remember the struggle. I mean, obviously uh, my daughter, Dominique is 27 and married and I'm not like in that anymore, but I definitely, I definitely remember. And she remembers, you know, her being younger and, you know, she will say like, you had your Blackberry, like, connected to your palm at all times. Like I know, I remember that. And it's kind of, you know, in one way it's like, oh, did I like, that's awful. But then in another way, it's like, no, I was actually like, I remember missing, you know, not going, like not taking on certain projects and like not doing other things and, um, you know, to be there. But I was always, you know, I was always kind of trying to do both. And, you know, my career was really important to me when I was younger and, and you know, still is. And I think that I um, got a lot out of my career and it's it's part of who I am as a person and, you know, and all of that. Um, and I think that there's no right answer. You know, I think that everybody like struggles for that balance. And it's like, it doesn't really exist. It only exists it it only exists for what's right for you, you know, for what's right in that moment for you as a person and you as a, as a mother and you in your career. I, I remember once we had moved to another city, actually to Elmhurst and um, Dominique was going to be starting a new school. You know, we, it was completely new city, didn't know anybody. And I was supposed to be scheduled to be away traveling on a project the day that she was going to start this, this new school. And I was, it traumatized me, like just traumatized me. And I finally said, I can't, I can't do it. This is like, what if she, you know, what if kids are mean to her and you know how girls can be in middle school? Like, you you know, girls are the worst. And I was like, I can't do it. And I didn't. And I stayed home so that I could be there on that first day of school. And I will never forget. I picked her up. It was like two blocks. So I walked and I picked her up and she literally came out of school and I was like, how was your day? And she was like, it was so great. And like, I have a new best friend and can this person come over tomorrow? And can I have a, can I do this? And I was like, as much as I was happy that she had a great day, I, I was like, oh my God, I literally did not have to be here. (laughs) She would have been fine. So totally. Um, it's just a crazy, you know, it's, it's a crazy thing for, you know, women to kind of try to, you know, work on that, you know, that life balance. So, um, yeah. And also like it, it can show them what can be done at the same time. You know, it's like, no, we're still running shit over here and we're at your game or we're, you know, we're picking, it's like, I don't know. I love that about women now. It's like, we can be so many things it's hard, but I feel like it's just come such a long way. Like even with trying to see my trainer and work out now and everything, I'm like, I can't, I have to be with Gigi all day on Mondays. That's my thing. And she, and he's like, well, what's so bad about bringing her with and seeing her mom work on herself, you know, Love and it's it. like amazing at it that way. I was like, damn, that's wow. really good. Like, we'll be here Monday. That's amazing. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. It's, it's when you switch the thought of how they mm-hmm. see you, it's, it's really great. Yeah. yeah. And I don't feel bad about those years working because I know I struggled and I know that I was, you know, there as much as I possibly could be, but I also felt like I was showing her what she could do, 
you know, and that she could kind of do whatever she wanted in her career if she really worked hard. Totally. You know, and now she's a stay-at-home dog mom. So that really, like, worked really well. <laughs> That's literally an angel, Dominique. No, shout out, Dominique. Oh. It's interesting to see women um, that you've also respected become mothers for exactly what you're both saying, like seeing the hustle that can happen with all of it. Um, our COO is like a woman who I, I think she's like the smartest, most amazing, incredible woman. I remember she was telling me that her daughter was starting daycare and I had like sent her like I had Venmo her for a coffee. It was like, you know, cheers to first day of daycare, like good luck. Yeah. And she was this is someone who I think doesn't miss a beat. Like she does everything well. So I'm just assuming that confidence is going to translate the way that she's a parent and just the nurturing. And she's like, I hope her lunch is OK. I hope her day is OK. And I'm like, God, that makes me just like love you even more because yes. here you are like holding shit down, running the salon and doing everything remote for an entire like 10 salons across the country but you're still having this like intimate moment in the, yeah. all these little private corners and still worried about being the best there too mm-hmm. it's very inspiring yeah mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely before we wrap this up i have some really super important questions to ask you guys where are we with the side part is it back is it coming back <laughs> is it not here i heard that it's gone like what's going on with the side part <sighs> is it here no it's still out I, there have been moments that I have always loved the side part. Like it really gives you the volume. I love an effortless flip. Like that is still a thing to me. I do think the middle part, there's something so effortlessly chic and just like undone. And if you learn how to style the front right to get it to kind of cave into your face, it really makes everyone's face shape look oval, which is the preferred shape. And it just makes your cheekbones pop. I love the middle part but some people's hairlines don't also allow for it so if you need to rock the side i still love it but you know tiktokers may tell you differently demi you you i feel like you have a have an opinion on this i think it's so dumb okay. <laughs> i do you know what we both have a mutual love for justin anderson oh and he is like mm, chef's kiss if you want to follow like a funny hairdresser yeah and Gen Z tried to cancel blondes and said it was chuggy. And he's like, you're all jealous. <laughs> and like, I feel like him. I'm like, you're literally jealous of my side part. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I love it. Okay. Um, rosemary oil, castor oil, grapeseed oil, plasma injection. Like what's going to make our hair grow? Eating healthy yeah. and being, it has to come from within, I think. Inside out. Yeah. Like everyone's trying all the, I mean, shout out to the supplements and the, topical serums and I don't know I mean I really think it does come from within um and genetics yeah you know I mean you can keep it as healthy as you can once it's already grown yeah um yeah because the hard part about all of that is like it's a girl who's 20 years old who has virgin hair color down to her waist who's just hot and we all want to be her. So like, yeah, I'll put grapeseed oil in my hair too. <laughs> but like all I'm leaving with is like a greasy blow a hundred percent a lot of it is i mean we're all different you know it's like that's the hard part about TikTok it is. is it's not a one-size-fits-all with these beauty trends I and know. um i appreciate your time so much i love both of you so much i think you're both just such a force and so positive and you have such good energy so and i know how precious your time is So I just want to say that I really appreciate you guys doing this with me. And um, I can't wait to see you guys back in Chicago. 
Thank you, Donna. It felt, yeah, it's so fun to even this do stuff good. like this. Thank you.